for a Okay, well, welcome to the Music and Mindset Matters podcast, Chelsea de Bomford. It's so lovely to have you here. Thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it. I'm very excited for you with your business and to be part of this. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, Chelsea and I met very briefly a few months ago, just um, out of nowhere, it really seemed, but we do have mutual connections. And we instantly clicked with our passion for early childhood education, our passion for supporting educators and students who are training to to get their qualifications in early childhood. And um, I knew that when I did start this podcast eventually that Chelsea would feature as one of my guests. Um, For those of you out there listening who aren't aware of Chelsea at all, would you mind giving a little, I call it not the elevator pitch, but the backyard Barbie pitch? Just a I'm little for Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. Just so, to let the listeners know who you are and what you do, how you've sort of got into this space. Yeah. So as Christy mentioned, my name is Chelsea de Bomford and I'm passionate about early childhood education and care. Uh, my background is starting off as a diploma qualified educator many years ago now. Um, my first position was the director of Little Possum's uh, Child Care Centre in a very remote regional place on the west coast of Tasmania for my first year. Then coming back up to my hometown, Wynyard, where I was the director there for four years, and then was able to obtain a uh, position teaching uh, within the early childhood vocational education and training sector um, oh, in Tasmania. Cool which is where I've been for the past 21 years. So teaching certificate three and diploma of early childhood. During that time, I've also uh, established um, from scratch uh, an early childhood service. Um, And then when our child was, our first child was born 14 years ago, we sold that business. And um, since then, um, I've been doing my own consultancy, Nest Early Childhood Consultancy, mentoring and coaching as well as continuing to teach within the vet sector. So um, I'm really passionate about nature pedagogy and how that um, children really learn best outdoors, immersed in nature with adults around them who also value and appreciate the natural environment. Um, I'm an advocate for risky play. My passion also comes from the influence, I'm highly influenced by the Reggio Emilia philosophy um, or that approach to early childhood education. And that's a Northern Italian approach, which led me to 2017, a colleague, a friend of mine and myself went over and did an international study tour in Reggio Emilia. And for those who are not familiar with Reggio Emilia, it fits quite well with what you do as well, because um, Loris Malaguzzi was the founder of that. And he spoke very it's very much about the 100 languages of children, the expressive languages of children, that how children express themselves through the arts, through music, through movement, through paint, through clay, through dance, through so many different 100 ways of learning and being. And I'm really passionate about that. Um, so they also view children as very curious, capable, competent learners. And that just sits with my heart that's I just firmly believe that all children have capacity 
Yeah, and it's not it's not just about having high expectations when we link it back to the early years learning framework or the national quality standards. It's actually from a human point of view, viewing yeah. children as curious and capable, not just yeah. as little kids. Because even, you know, way back when the idea of the child, you know, a couple of generations ago was to be seen and not heard. Well, even mm. before that, children were sent to work really early. You know, schooling education typically wasn't really valued. It was more join the family business, work on the family farm, things like that. Mm. So this whole approach of seeing the child as a curious learner, as not as a mini adult, certainly not as a mini adult, but not a childish Person. No, and a citizen in the present. Yes. Because oh, so many people always refer to, you know, we need to focus on early childhood because these, this is a future generation. Well, no, actually they are the current mm. people of today. They're our youngest people and it, I see it as our job to, um, to listen and what we do affects them and they have a right to have a voice. Their voice may be different to yeah. ours through language, but they express themselves through so many ways. And if we view children as active citizens in the present, it really changes the way you provide learning environments for children now. And what we do in our community, even with parks and things like that, there needs to be consultation with children about things that are for children. Yes. Because it's about them. Yes. So I would like to see lots more um, natural spaces for children not just wild spaces where we can immerse them in but spaces where families that are not familiar with or comfortable with or are adverse to risky play spaces where children can come together and they can simply be children they can use real tools and they can learn real authentic skills with people who can model that practice mm. and help with that language and getting familiar with things so yeah there's lots to it it's really exciting and I'm seeing lots more um, nature play um, around things uh, within our schools um, I think since COVID hit it was no-brainer to me that children <laughs> learn outdoors but hello it took a global pandemic pandemic for the education department to say oh let's take learning outside really to catch up. a global pandemic for you to identify the importance of being outside and running around and having freedom and space yes. because as soon as you take the four walls away it allows for the natural flow of a child yep. to learn Exactly. Um, you know, it's coming back to that. I'm really curious about that idea because I'm I'm a, a huge believer in nature play, and I mean, this is part of the reason why our family decided to up and move from um, suburbia in Victoria to Tasmania to you know get back to the roots. You know, my husband and I are both growing up in the country. We wanted that for our children as well. But having said that, I've got so many of my friends that are still in a, in the inner city, Melbourne, uh, different cities around the world and all for, you know, living in cities is a lot, you know, people love being in the cities. You don't have to, um, you don't have to live in the country to have access to nature. No, play. But, no. but do you find that um, it is a little bit, what sort of the challenges of nature play and instilling this um, love of the outdoors in areas that may not have access to nature as easily as we do in the country, for example? What mm, would you... I understand what you're saying and it can be quite challenging for some, but I believe that nature's everywhere. 
it's mm. in the sky. I mean, to look at the clouds and to learn the name of the clouds and to follow the flow of the seasons and to understand where your produce comes from. Like people that are in urban um, environments um, here or whatever, wherever you are, it doesn't matter whether you're in Africa, whether you're in Switzerland, whether you're in Australia, whether you're, you know, anywhere in the world, we all look to the same moon. Mm, true. We'll see the same stars. We all um, have access to leaves and to trees and to various plants. Um, so I think it's just growing that awareness for the adults intentionally to take that time to teach the, their child or their children they're working with about the everyday extraordinary things that are around us. We don't have to be on a five-acre property. Um, we can just be and stop and take time and I guess mindfulness for me in early childhood is the mindful educator mm. because children learn what they see and if you're talking to them about the beautiful stone that you found along the little you know a pebble that you found on your on your wonder walk outside um, if you're looking at the architecture in an urban surrounding if you're seeing how the things emerge out of the ground, they pop up out of places that aren't necessarily planted to grow. Yeah, that cracks in the cement. Yeah, and like mm. all of those little things and to really look closely at and marvel with joy and delighting when a child presents something to you. And, you know, there's, there's a book called It's Not Just a Stick. I can't remember the author off the top of my head. But when you're thinking about sticks, for example, a stick can be anything. A stick can be transformed into a stick man. A stick can be a magical wand. A stick can be used for an instrument. A stick can be the starting of a building, of a construction, of a design. Like it can be anything. So I think with when it comes to education and care, it's the way in which we as adults convey our excitement with the everyday to make it extraordinary regardless of where you are from because typically, as you know, children will go through a similar age developmental stage depending on whether they have other complex issues that factor into that. But um, it's, it's about the people that they're around, the environment, the people that have those interactions with them. Um, so at the at a recent conference that I went to in June in Melbourne to the Reggio Emilia Australia um, conference called Landscapes of Curiosity and Creativity, um, one of the pedagogistas from Italy, he talked about um, an example of how children were making meaning of instruments. And I thought this would really resonate with you being from a musical background and that's yeah. where your passion and your heart lies. And um, he spoke about and gave us examples of how they were talking about a small group of children and I was talking about the instruments and how beautiful they were and listening to them and the tone and the rhythm and all of those lovely things that we know with music. And being a music teacher, he said to the children, I wonder if this, if the instruments and the music would sound different if we were outdoors. And so the children were like, oh, and they had all these theories about this. And so he enabled them by giving them a little pull-along wagon. They took a cello, a guitar. Beautiful. There were a couple of instruments that they took outside into nature. 
and they sat around the base of this beautiful tree in, in a natural landscape, just a garden space within the city of Reggio Emilia. And they were talking about how it sounded differently and the relationship between the tree and the musical instruments. Mm. And children were coming up with suggestions and ideas and possibilities of the trees make a sound and a vibration. And when you really listen, it sounds like when you do this on the cello. And just that beautiful connection because the educator was mindful and intelligent and aware of children's capacity to learn and make sense mm. rather than just dum, 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 yeah. just what make does it, music yeah. sound like? Mm. He was going further into what does it feel like? What is the relationship? To the point where one of the children said, and they made this amazing connection, and it was just like, oh, I was in the crowd, oh, this is amazing. A child holding a cello looked at the tree and said, this cello was once wood like a oh, tree mm -hmm. you know that's yeah. amazing for a five and six year old to make a significant connection to what once was wood mm. it's now a musical instrument and yet the trees make their own sound and they were saying things like the trees are dancing when their branches blow in the wind uh -huh. and when the trees when the leaves fall down it goes like they were making that real deep connection yeah. and I guess for me that's why that um, philosophy and that pedagogical approach to teaching and learning is just that deep fascination and curiosity to further instill that wondering for children you know I think sometimes we people underestimate their amazing intelligence because mm -hmm. Even though they, people say, oh, you know, what babies do? They're just babies. Babies are amazing. They're amazing yeah. communicators. Have you watched a baby? Yeah. They are an effective communicator. They cry and let you know something's wrong. They yeah. smile and delight in you if you share joy with them. Yeah. Um, Priya's only just turned two. She, she knows empathy. Yeah. She's compassionate. She understands gentle, you know, and, and with language, I say to the students that I work with and the people that I mentor, if a child can say Tyrannosaurus Rex, they can say fascinating. Yes. Interesting. They understand because the people that are with them are using that language with them, mm. you know. So I think we need to give more value to children's perspectives and we need educators who have this yearning to learn mm. and to continue to be reflective. Um, and when, we look, when we're looking at the new improved version, the updated early years learning framework version two, it actually says in there, it identifies children's interests 12 times. Yes. But refers to their ideas 62 times. Yeah. You know, okay. and if... If we think of that from an educator's perspective, rather than observing the children's interest in dinosaurs, oh, and we'll go and put dinosaurs in the sand pit and a few plants and we'll make a lovely learning environment. That's what I see a lot of. Whilst I'm not um, saying that that's not okay, what I would propose is, is it the dinosaurs the children were interested in? Is it the fact that they're prehistoric creatures? What habitats did they live in? Why are they extinct? What mm. does that word mean? Mm. Um, I, I feel we need to 
unpack things with children more and we need to give them opportunities to further extend their knowledge and understanding and their wondering. And we don't need to be the holders of knowledge. Yes. Yeah. We need to work with children, alongside children. That's a really interesting point because in in many ways we are the holders of knowledge simply because we've lived more years on this life, uh, on this earth. Yeah. So we have collated, we've we've absorbed knowledge whether we've realised it or not. We've seen television ads about dinosaurs. We've remembered things, um, you know, there's lots of memories that are stored in our brains from dinosaurs. We might not be actually interested in dinosaurs, but when we are mindful educators, as you mentioned before, this is where the mindfulness comes into it. It's not just a yoga practice or doing meditation. When you just unpack the word mindfulness, it is paying attention to right now, that present moment. The children are interested in dinosaurs. Ask them why they're interested. It's simply ask them, start up a conversation. Talk about, you know, get their feedback on what do they see? What do they feel? You know, some dinosaurs have amazing pointy plates and long tails, long necks. Look how their neck stretches. You know, you can start up so many different parts of language and communication. And by doing that, you're unpacking, sharing your knowledge, scaffolding them, meeting them where they're at in that zone of proximal development. And then you're extending it in many different ways, aren't you? And because you are mindful, if you think, oh, they're just, you know, as you said, they're interested in dinosaurs, let's go and put them in there. That's great. But it's not all. It's not enough. You planted a seed, you can help them grow that seed. Absolutely. And I mean, (laughs) exactly. And when you're working collaboratively and you're reflecting on the children's interests, say, for example, if you and I were in that zone together and we're noticing these things, then when we come together for program planning, which I think the title needs to be redefined, (laughs) it needs to be more about research and inquiry. What do we know and understand about what children have shown us yes what is it that they're thinking or they're curious about where can their wonderings take us if we're coming from a music perspective we might introduce things like this dinosaur is quite big and heavy Mm. and looks really strong what sort of sounds might he might have made Mm. when he's walking on the earth this dinosaur has a really long neck do you think the sounds would be different? Or the flying one? Yeah. What is an instrument we could use that could sound like a flying dinosaur? Mm. So it's the way you offer your materials. And with Reggio Emilia, they talk about, as I mentioned, the 100 languages. You know, they um, you might look, you might use digital technology to look at prehistoric animals and you might go into the sustainability aspect and you might look at environments what was the world like what did the planet look like what were the creatures inhabiting this space Mm. we didn't have lots of houses and humans that impacted on the earth so what sort of plants did they eat the ones that ate plants what are they called yeah And so you could delve into a whole inquiry that could go for six to eight weeks if you wanted to, Mm. just around the fascination of extinct species. So I think sometimes educators focus so much on 
what are the children interested in? I have to document something and then we have to plan an educational experience. Mm. Tick, tick, tick. But we're not going that deeper level. Yeah. When I say we're not, I'm not speaking about all people. Obviously, yeah. some are very skilled at that. But I, what I do see is that there's so much more we can offer. Mm. But we also need to offer this to our educators, to empower our educators, to encourage them that when they come together, it's a time for reflection. And what do they actually know about this topic of inquiry before they launch into it? Mm. Because if they don't have a deep understanding themselves, then how can they further extend, yeah. you know, even if it's clay? Yes, and that's a really important topic, um, a, a really important point in general. If And it comes back to being able to connect with our own mindfulness, connect with ourselves first. If we don't recognise or value um, inquiry, curiosity, exploration, the ability to go, I actually don't know about this. How can I find that? If we don't value that in ourselves, we're not going to be able to value it or foster it in children, children. are we? So so I, I really love turning theory into practice. I think that's a really important thing that we need to make sure we're always doing as educators, as humans in general, I would say, but as educators. And, you know, your background, you've got an amazingly extensive background in that vocational education and training sector. Do you feel like it's something that, um, you know, you plant those seeds as you're training um, these future educators is it through? Is that just one part of it? Do they then get it when they experience and um, you know do their on floor experience? How do, how can we actually support this transition from theory into practice? Do you think? Yeah, it's a very good question, and I think there's lots to be done with that mm. because it really does depend on a combination of things. If you're talking about students that are at the beginning of their um, education and training, then it's fostering that through your teaching. Uh, So as teachers, we need to instill that love of and that desire of wanting to know and to find out and to be curious ourselves as educators. Um, It's unpacking your early years learning framework and really pulling out what do these words mean. Mm. Um, In order for children to work towards these five learning outcomes, we as educators actually need to be working towards those five outcomes. Mm. Um, It's looking at that holistically. It's looking at where students, when students are placed on work placement, The reality is a lot of people do not have a lot of time to invest in mentoring and nurturing and teaching and training on the job. So it really does depend on the individual's experience that they get when they're on work placement and what they see modelled to them. Yeah, true. So I believe that it's a holistic thing. Um, I think that we need to have people in services who are equipped and who are wanting to seek that role of mentoring and nurturing others. Mm. We have titles called educational leaders and things like that within centres. However, I'm not quite convinced that we have really got to the point where students who are learning are really 
really engaged in those rich conversations, Mm. those critical reflections, the programming and things like that. So sometimes it might mean that it's once a student becomes qualified that they feel that they might have a voice to contribute because it might be a lack of their confidence as well because they're only learning. Um, But if we look at a different perspective with the people that I work with in my mentoring coaching role as a consultant, then it's I might be working with a family daycare educator that's been in the role for over 25 years. Mm. And so sometimes in family daycare, they could, uh, family daycare educators can feel somewhat isolated sometimes yeah. because they work by themselves a lot of the time. So what I'd like to see is more people coming together with that opportunity to network. It's when you network and you meet people and you go, oh, wow, you're amazing. Like when I met you, I knew straight away, wow, we're going to have rich conversations. I can learn so much from this person. And it's not just about learning from them. It's being able to have that collaborative relationship where you they might be referred to as a critical friend. Mm, yeah. Um, and so I might say to you, oh, you know, I'm really floundering in this topic. I'm really not confident with the with music. Could you help me understand what mm. are the benefits of music for children? So then I can take that away with me back to my service and mm. teach others. Yeah. So it's a ripple effect, you know, rather than trying to be an expert in each field, it's tapping into those people around mm. you that nurture that and give you that different perspective and a lens and a different way of viewing things yeah Yeah, that was a great segue I'm glad you mentioned your own consultancy um because I I'm curious to see how that became about you know how how that was born was that something that you always thought yes one day I'm going to do that or did an opportunity just go oh okay I could do this like how Mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit more about that Um, When I had my own early childhood centre in Somerset Mm -hmm. and I spent a lot of time there with the most amazing educators that we had when we established the service, Um, we were four years IVF waiting for the birth of our first child and when he came along, I kind of thought morally and ethically, oh, I don't know if I can be here nurturing and caring for and having this leadership role and the financial stress of it and all that goes with running a service. And so I made that really hard decision to let go of the centre because we had a new baby and I was also teaching as well, but also because I felt like in one centre I can only make a difference here. Mm. And I believe in my role teaching in vocational education and training, I can try and instill that real inspiring, motivating, we need you and we need educators who get it, who understand, who go out and make a difference in multiple services. But again, not being able to follow through with them on their journey once they leave my classroom or our classrooms it kind of got me thinking, I feel like I need to do more. I I feel like I can offer more to more people, you know, Mm -hmm. and to not limit myself to just the people I am here with, but to have that opportunity to go, you know, if you need some help with this or if I can help you unpack that or if I can connect you with somebody, Mm -hmm. I'm really passionate about that. Yeah. Yeah, I just feel that there's just so much we can do 
when we come together from different perspectives and different yeah. backgrounds. Definitely. And I think that was that was another thing, uh, another little um, reason why we connected so quickly and so strongly is because at, at the heart of everything is our deep desire to um, support yeah. and collaborate and to really, um, at the end of the day, not prepare and I've you know I'm I'm guilty of saying preparing our future generations but I love the way that you just straight away no well that's important but it's yeah. our present yeah our citizens business. in the present yeah exactly. and our government will talk about the importance of birth to five and they'll yeah. they'll promote all of this and that's all wonderful and they're offering free training and trying to get people into the sector and all of that kind of stuff now that's great, mm-hmm. but, and you know where I'm going with this, that's wonderful, you know, offering free training and things like that is a wonderful thing. What we actually need is support on the ground. Yeah. What we need is support in services, mentoring in services for people. Someone said to me the other day, oh, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years, I've got this. Um, have you really? Mm-hmm. Because I can guarantee in another 30 years, if I'm fortunate enough to be here, yeah. I still haven't got it. Yeah, I haven't There's got so it. much to get, <laughs> you know. Let's, let's just take that straight yeah. out of our vocab and go. I have 30 years' experience in this, mm. but, hey, this diploma that I did was so old, mm. you know, we almost need a bridging course to update yeah. people. Definitely. No different to doing your first aid course mm. every three yeah. years. You have to do a refresher. Mm. And I feel like professional learning is almost like constant refreshers, upskilling. You want to go away wanting to know more questions. Mm. You have more questions to ask rather than answers to bring back. Yeah. Because it's when you question that you find out and it's when you talk to people and network with people that you go, oh, okay. And you might take two or three things away and go, wow, that's new, add that to my list, yeah. you know. Yeah. And one of the quotes that Tiziana Filippini said at the recent conference, she's the one of the pedagogistas and collaborators of Reggio Children, she said, we need to create a culture of care. Yep. And I was like, ah, what does she mean? I know what it means to care for children, mm. but what does she actually mean? So coming together in a staff meeting is a wonderful opportunity to say, what is a culture of care? Mm. What does that look like in our service? What does it mean for us as educators? Mm. How are children receiving care? And she went on to say, the child is not only the recipient of care, but also the producer of relationships, constantly engaging in the 100 languages. It is not that we are preparing children for life. They are already living. Mm. It is about providing opportunities to continually build the architecture of the brain. Mm. Wow, that's pretty powerful. I know, it's so profound. And that's why when when you go to professional learnings like this and there's so much information, it's when you reflect back on your notes and you pick out the bits that resonate with you and you go, I want to learn more about that. Mm. I need to know more about this. Mm. Our educators need to create a culture of care. Mm. 
you know, I don't want to read a fancy philosophy statement on a wall if I can't see it happening. Yes, so it's many advertising. Yeah, this is the mm-hmm. this is that bridge that need uh, this gap that needs to be the needs to be bridged is the theory and practice. So yes, yep. we have all these wonderful ideas and philosophies and policies, but those words that we chose, we need to actually put into action. Yes, is so important. And you're you're you know I've seen that in my when I used to work on the floor. You know I've spent over um, over fifteen years actually working as an early childhood teacher um, in long day care services. Yeah. Uh, you know I've got all of that experience. I don't work on the floor now, yeah. but that would be the number one thing that I would see that we take the time or the teams make the time to mm-hmm. create a philosophy and but it stays in that room and on that piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And then we don't reflect on it enough or we're not making sure that our new educators that are coming in know about it or we don't, you know, there's that. And this is the element of mindfulness that I want to make sure that we are keeping on bringing in through everything. You know, being mindful also means reflecting now, yeah, reflecting on what's been, reflecting on the possibilities of the future. But, yes, it's that, it's that, paying attention and being mindful isn't it yeah and it's the way we engage with children it's the way we welcome families it's the feel of the place mm-hmm. it's not enough to just care with your heart yes that's you true. have to care with your mind yeah and your body yeah so when i'm talking about we have beautiful educators all around our region we have many and um, some have been trained with with where I work Mm -hmm. and some have been trained through different RTOs and I go and see them some are flourishing others are growing okay you know they've kind of slotted into the norm but I want to see I want to see people excited to be at work me too I want to see people having moments of joy Mm -hmm. and time to be mindful and present with children not Mm. rushing through routines not checking all the forms not stressed about how many observations they've got to take it's Mm. about quality not quantity Mm. and I think we need to really empower our educators that they are amazing and what they do matters Mm. because they spend a lot of time with children yes you know a significant amount of time with many children because parents in today's society a lot of parents are both out working mm. um, and, you know, children come from such complex needs and backgrounds. Um, so mm. we need to be mindful in our educational leadership role of where our educators are at mm. as well and giving them that time to really reflect, time to be with each other, time to scaffold their own learning, mm. you know, and just that, yeah, I just think mindfulness is a real, it's an attitude Yes, definitely is an attitude, but also something that can be put into practice, something that you can, you know, it first, obviously at first has to come as an attitude. It has to come from within first. You know, you have to have that connection. You have to have foster. You can learn how to be mindful. You can learn how to pay attention and become curious. Those things can be learned by being around and collaborating with people that are already just that modeling that to you they're a little bit ahead in the zone of proximal development if you want to bring to Vygotsky and you know that's right you know so again the importance of collaborating the importance of making sure that we are 
accessing professional development and learning opportunities that yes you know that it's the early childhood educators and carers are valued for the very difficult challenging but very rewarding job that they it do. is very rewarding and that's the thing you know we are in almost a crisis in our sector because we cannot find enough people who want to come and work with children and to me that's devastating it is and that has significant long-term impacts and I I kind of wonder why is it and people will say oh you know it's the long hours it's the low pay it's this and there's lots of negative spins that are put around but let's look at the positive sides of working in early childhood, the rewarding job that it is, the position that you have. And when I say it's a powerful position, I don't mean in an authoritarian yeah. way. Yeah. I mean the power to make a difference in the lives of young children. What could you, why would you not want to do that? Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you don't enjoy being with children, if you don't enjoy children's company, don't choose early childhood. No, please don't. Job. Don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it thinking that, oh, it's going to be easy or that it's going to be, you know, it's no. easy to work with kids. It's just like babysitting. It's not. It's, it's nothing not like it. It's so much more than that. But, you know, I think that's another thing too that I know we could probably go on a, a lot about in a different <laughs> way. But, you know, just the options for young people these days. And yes, it is a, a you know, a predominantly, um, female oriented, you know, vocation. Mm-hmm. Um, which love to see some changes with that. And Absolutely. there's changes happening because, yep. you know, it's nurturing, educating. It's not, it's not gender-based. Not at all. We need more human based. <laughs> It's human-based. It's human interaction. It's irrelevant of what culture you come from because, I mean, some of the students that I currently have, um, uh, English is a second language, They've been taught very different. Um, their early years learning framework is completely yeah. opposite to their traditional way of learning. But those people bring amazing contributions when you listen to them, when you engage with people from diverse backgrounds and you go, hey, what was it like for you growing up? What have you noticed we do differently here? What is it about your culture that you're really passionate that you could share with us? Mm. Because let's face it, on the northwest coast of Tasmania, we are limited to diversity and diverse perspectives. Mm. And let's embrace that culture and that language and the possibilities that people bring to the job. Mm. Um, Yeah, it's it's, it's so important. And children thrive anywhere where they feel valued, engaged, supported and nurtured you don't have to have the biggest fanciest early childhood center or the best family daycare house in australia no one cares about that you can be in a tp in a like in some of the places i went to in the uk when i did a nature pedagogy tour oh my gosh put me in a tp on land anytime those children were amazing and inventive and unbelievable like it just is it is what you create it to be. Mm. You know, it, you don't have to have fancy whiz bang things. You don't have to have lots of money. You just have to be mindful in your interactions and have a deep appreciation and value childhood mm. and continue to learn and grow yourself as an adult, as a 
as a person, as a person who's wanting to learn, to soak it all up, to go, hang on a minute, I'm not sure about that or that doesn't really sit with me. I'm wondering or I'm curious about why you think like that. Yeah. Um, it's okay to disagree. It's the way we go about it, you know, and to not be fearful of sharing resources. That's another thing that really gripes me. Um, you know, well, I'm in this centre, but I don't want to share with that centre because they might pinch my idea. It's not about that. It doesn't matter whether you're in long day care, family day care, after school care, in-home care, foster care. Mm. If you are working with children, it's the children that we're here to care for. And, you know, by you sharing resources with someone else only helps those children or those educators to grow and learn. So I'm all for networking and collaborative approaches and I'm all for supporting and nurturing all people who have a passion of working with children because they want to make a difference. They want to ignite that spark in a child's curiosity. I went, I dropped our daughter off at, at her childcare service the other day and a little boy, he just, I don't know, we just have this thing. He just yeah. comes to me and I can't wait to see him when I arrive and his little face lights up and I, he was talking to me and I got right down and I changed the way I spoke. Yes. And his little eyes, his pupils dilated. And the educator watching me, she said, he just gets so excited when you come in. I said, that's because I'm interested. Yes. Yep. I want to talk to him. I'm a pleasant. I love seeing the children. I, I want to hang out here with yes. you, you know. <laughs> Can I stay and play for a while? Um, and I just really, you can see the response in a child's way of how they're reciprocating your message how if you're interested and curious and you're mindful about how they are and what they're doing yeah. and that's the start of reciprocal relationship you know yeah. and they learn who they can go to who cares about them or who's just meeting their physical needs yes yeah they know the difference yeah of course they know. do and yeah. they may not be able to tell you about it, but they can certainly show through right. the hundred languages, through the body language, through Definitely. the eye contact, through, you know, through those things that sometimes we don't realise are communication forms. Yes, you know, and when educators get so busy and wrapped up in their day because they've got so many things they need to do, I would suggest strongly at sitting down and really pulling that out at a table and going, you know, what are the things that stress us out and make us feel, uh? Yeah. What are the things that aren't joyful that we, we need to do? Um, how can we make this a better transition for us? How can we work together? You know, if we've got 15 nappy changes to do in a toddler room, maybe I could do five, yeah. intentionally, lovely. Maybe you could do five. Maybe you could do five. You know, it, it's not, it shouldn't be, all these babies to feed, all this sun cream to apply, all these forms to fill out. Yes, that is part of our duty of care and our responsibility. Yes, we have national laws and regulations that stipulate we must do this, this and this. But it doesn't say how. Yes. It's up to us how we implement these things. It's up to us how we go to our educational programming. It's up to us to decide what we do during that time mm. with each other rather than in solitude yeah you know it's up to us to go why are we documenting the way we're documenting who is this documentation for 
Who is it about? What does it reflect? Where does it take us? There's so much more to it, but a lot of these rich conversations aren't being had because of the time. Mm. And we need to factor in that time is also about perception. Mm. You know, if we had more time in a day, we'd have more jobs to do. That's our reality. True. So this is the time we have. How are we using our time? Mm. How could we do it better? And Nikki Buckham, one of my beautiful friends um, who travels around Australia, she's originally from um, South Africa and she's lived in Scotland and blah, 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 and she's one of the co-founders of the Nature Kindergartens, and she talks about it's knowing the dance. It's knowing, if you think of a waltz, it's knowing when to step in and when to step out. And I use that with my students and when coaching and mentoring because so many times I see people launch into the play space or into that zone of and interrupt that flow. Mm. Or as soon as you get a camera or iPad out, the children's play changes. Yes. Rather than sitting back, knowing when to stand back, knowing when to step in, you know, um, and it's the way we question often. And that's why um, the pedagogistas in Reggio Emilia fascinate me because it's the way they propose or provoke questions and wondering is just, oh, so much deeper level than what I currently have the capacity to do. It's what I want to learn more about. Yes. Because the way you speak gives a certain response, if you know what I mean. You can um, ask leading questions. You can ask a question that is, you know, nothing to do with what actually the child was intending to do or they might even know, they might not know what they're doing. They might no. just with the flow. Exploring. Just, exploring you know. just for the fun of it, you know, yeah. whereas adults because we're so focused on our head and our brain and trying to, yeah. what are they doing and what? how can I help them and, yeah. you know, just just watch them just observe watch, just Feel listen energy. Yeah. yeah exactly know the children mm-hmm. and talk to somebody else about what do you what have you noticed what yeah. are you what are you thinking the children are thinking mm-hmm. what is it that they're wondering and wanting to know what do they already know yeah because so many know so much already that we don't realize what they already know um so yeah it's just really that mindful way of approaching the language that you use your interactions your body language Mm. the materials that you offer do you understand the language of the materials the language of clay what is it about clay you know you can pop a lump of clay and set up a beautiful learning space and that's lovely and children will interact and engage with that medium but do you as an educator, as a professional, have you actually thought about clay as a material? You know, have you been to someone who can scaffold your learning around the techniques that you could introduce to children when using clay? Have you playfully and intentionally sat down as a team and played with clay? Let's take educators right back to the whole, what does it feel like to play? Let's experience it as a child experience it. Exactly. What joy does that bring to you? What fascinations can you see? Um, So it's having joyful, playful educators who are not just really 
hung up on the things that they have to do and the targets that they have to meet or the outcomes they have to show evidence of. Evidence of learning is in all of these things we're talking about. It's in your interactions. It's in your daily transitions, how you go about things, how children move through your space, how you offer these materials, how you set up. Do you value the outdoors? Are you marvelling at the leaf and the veins? Do you Can you see the comparison and the connection, the relationship with your hands mm. to the leaf? Yeah. You know, our hands have veins. Our hands give life. They touch. Mm. What does it feel like when you touch a leaf? Yeah. It's amazing. Um, Fletcher, uh, our middle child, I'd love to share this with you actually, mm. We were on a little wonder walk at home a few weeks ago and we were just picking up lots of natural resources because he wanted to do something with them when he got back and he did and it was delightful. But on our way up our driveway with all our beautiful natural environment, he he picked up a particular leaf and I will send it through to you and show you this. Mm. And he said, Mum, this leaf reminds me of cancer. And I said, really? Yeah. I've actually got it. I've, I've recorded his voice. I'm happy to share it with you. I did ask permission to share it with my yeah. students. And he said, yeah, you can share it, Mum. That's okay. So I shared the image of the leaf and it was a, a leaf that had decayed because it had, you know, it had fallen from the tree and an insect appeared to have crawled on it and taken little pieces from it and it was on the verge of end of life, you know. And he spoke about this leaf and the profound response he had, 10-year-old's perspective, actually had me in tears because I got real emotional. And I'm just like, because he's aware, you know, because that's the kind of relationship we have. You know, I encourage children to discover, to think about, to reflect, to carefully look at. Mm. And you'll laugh at this too because we have this cut-off stump halfway up our driveway. We call it the wiggle stump. Yeah. And because Fletcher's quite, you know, very, (laughs) that's a good word for him. (laughs) I could think of others. (laughs) And he gets to the wiggle stump and he gets on it and he's like, wiggle, 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 and he jumps off. And so it was a couple of years ago and I said to him, you know, instead of wiggling on the wiggle stump, I wonder if we could practice some meditation because I've been taking him to some meditation classes and he was going really well. He, you know, he found it really hard to to calm and I'd often see him when it was, close your eyes, he'd be going (laughs) and looking around. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, that's so him. So me too though because my brain's like. Anyway, he gets on the wiggle stump and he sits there in the position. You can imagine legs crossed, gets his hands out, and he's going, hum. Oh, what's that? I think I can hear a car going up the driveway. Oh, hang on a minute. Hum. (laughs) He tried really hard. And I'm like, that's okay because he's still stopping. He's calming his body to a sitting motion, to a comfortable position in nature. And what he's what he is, is mindful of what's going on around him. So I changed the whole game. You know, when you play I Spy with My Little Eye, yes. I changed it instinctively to I hear with my little ear. Beautiful. And so I would say to him, I hear with my little ear something that sounds like zzz, zzz, zzz. Yeah. He said, oh, it's a bee. 
yes, your turn. And then so he was listening. Um, So, you know, and we'd hang the hammock up sometimes and do that together. So just trying to tap into what he's capable of doing when he's needing to have some Zen time. Yeah. Um, So it's knowing your children too and where they're at and making sure, sorry, making sure that you're giving children the opportunity Mm. to be mindful of what's going on around them, to lay on the grass and just feel that. Yeah. If nothing else, to just feel that sensory pleasure of or discomfort of. Yes, exactly. That grass. We need to have, we need to understand that the things that we don't enjoy give us just as much information, valuable opportunity to reflect as the things that we do enjoy. And I think sometimes in our society, we're heading towards always choosing the things that make us feel comfortable. And I think it's very dangerous. And that's where you and I would agree, you know, the value of risky play, calculated risks, however you want to talk about it. You know, I think, you know. We definitely need to have a couple of yes. part one, part two, part No, three. that's fine. People won't so, listen to oh, that. I mean, I just think you've you've given so much valuable exchange of information. You've given so many ideas to reflect, not just on, you know, what it means to to work with children, but as yourself, as a parent, as an educator, as yeah as someone who works with and cares for young children or children of any age really. And, you know, I'm, I'm so uh, grateful that we've crossed paths in this, in this earth and, you know, forward to, to more conversations. And, um, you know, if, if anyone needs some support would, you know, in their educational uh, care, um, you know, can we, can we contact you through, nest is that the best way to get in touch you know yes i could send you my email and my phone number if you like yeah well we can um, put the link to do you have a website or a, um yeah. some kind of facebook page or something that yeah, i can i've got the facebook page beautiful yeah. i can put the nest link early there. childhood lovely nest early childhood yeah chelsea de Bonford. Mm-hmm. so yeah i'm happy to share that with you and yeah i think that would be great because i know you know as you mentioned family daycarers in particular can feel quite isolated yeah um, think anybody who works in this space and would like some support mentoring coach I mean you know you've just listened to how wonderful Chelsea is in terms of um you know her experience her knowledge her reflective questions all of those things so you know this industry this world is very grateful to have you thank you likewise yeah and I've really enjoyed our conversation today and it's always you and I could just go, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we've, we've got years, haven't we? Yes. That's lovely. I love that. And that's what we need. We need educators to find other like-minded educators that foster this love yeah. and yearning of wanting to know more and networking. So thank you for what you're doing as well, bringing people together and yeah, sharing. Yeah. Much. Thank you yeah. so much. Well, well, we'll wrap up the show for Thank today, you. but definitely um, watch this space because we'll be definitely having some more chats in the future. So, lovely. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Chelsea. You have yourself no a lovely day, whatever you're you doing. Too. Thank you. Bye. See you soon. Bye.